Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want to help save lives? Work at Alchemy, one of the fastest-growing drug development and manufacturing companies in the world. Alchemy has openings in our plants across the Carolinas, including Charleston, a great place to work and play. Enjoy a signing bonus, free health care, and more. Visit workatalchemy.com. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down with their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow but you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500 triple a heating and air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new hvac unit but you have to call today 803-677-1500 and tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 the game's gamecock central podcast The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. The game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, Preston, Chris, Wes here with you. Shane Beamer, press conference day. He and his staff will uh, be giving their first look ahead to Tennessee. The team already starting to work on the volunteers. We'll get some final thoughts on the Florida game as well as South Carolina uh, floundered in, well, I'll say two of three phases of the game. Special teams continue to be uh, exceptional, but we'll continue to give our thoughts on the Carolina-Florida game. Sort of a notebook dump, closing the book on Florida, however you want to think about it. And we'll go ahead and keep the Love Chevy phone line and text line open for you all hour here. 803-404-6100. Um, any more thoughts? I mean, we didn't need, there wasn't even that much. To, I mean, you mentioned yesterday, Chris, it was one of those games where like, there's not even that much to say, kind of like the Missouri game. It's just, it just kind of is what it is. But is there anything else that stuck out to you in, in ruminating on the game for another 24 hours? Not, like, in into the game, like, specifics. There really wasn't. I mean, everything for me with that contest, it kind of just, like, brings it forward to the big picture, you know? I was listening to Heath yesterday afternoon. He was like, I'm going to focus on the big picture mainly because that game kind of, is what it is mm-hmm. it was what it was and and that's where i'm at i mean um i haven't even done a detailed rewatch um again there wasn't a lot to see <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was pretty evident it, sometimes wins or losses you can go back and kind of look at some of the reasons and there just there wasn't really 
there really was nothing positive for South Carolina, particularly when you look on the offensive side of the ball. I've gone back and looked at some individual plays. We were watching them here in the studio yesterday. But it just kind of reinforced a lot of the things that we already thought coming out of the game. And really, I guess one thing that might be, you know, in you know, diving deep back into the game, but also a big picture thought is really that game just kind of drove home a lot of the things that we've been seeing all year that have been the main issues with this team. That when they've struggled, um, they've lost the line of scrimmage. They haven't blocked well in the perimeter. They haven't tackled well. Um, they've misfit gaps. I mean, it was kind of all the things, the little micro things that we've seen from this team that have caused them to struggle all year. We saw kind of all of them in this game, and we saw them amplified. And so the bigger picture takeaway would be that when you bring those things forward and you look at the next two opponents, you know, there's not a reprieve coming in any Mm -hmm. way. And, And it makes, I think, Gamecock fans even more concerned about these next two games and how out of hand they could get yeah. Well, Preston, can I steal your point from yesterday? I mean, to, to your point too, Chris, like how different was Shane Beamer's press conference after the Florida game compared to after the Georgia State game? Well, wasn't it all the same talking points? Couldn't really run the football, couldn't contain the run, lost the line of scrimmage, had some special teams plays. Like, it was mostly the same talking points. It was, it was almost directly the same. I wish we could do a, a side-by-side sort of <laughs> to see what it is in – for me, that's probably the more discouraging idea that some of the problems that were at the beginning of the season, either we haven't figured out a way to strategize around them or we haven't figured out a way to get them corrected. And to me, that that's kind of the probably the more most disappointing overarching idea behind the whole, yeah. the whole behind the whole season. Well, Wes, I, I gave Chris the softball, so let me give you the hardest question <laughs> that I have today. Um, what area of the game has most improved from week one to now week 12? Well, I'm going to dodge your question, but kind of okay. answer it Solid. as well. Um, <laughs> because it's kind of, it's actually a, almost the direction I was going anyway. Um, I feel like last year, um, you know, it's, it's always a little bit opponent adjusted, right? Like, yeah, there were some teams that came in, maybe they were struggling at the end of the year, but certainly felt like South Carolina improved as the year progressed last year and, and sort of found some things. And, you know, I don't I don't think they were a great team by the end of last year, but I, I think they were a much better team than they were, you know, when they started the year. And it feels like they have um, regressed in some areas, and it's not just about who they're playing. You know, sometimes you kind of uh, can confuse those two. It's like, well, you just played a team that's really, really good. Um, and they're going to make a lot of teams look bad. I, I go back to Vanderbilt not being able to stop the run against those guys, um, not being able to stop the run against Missouri. I think we knew they were going to struggle to stop the run against Florida, but it's just sort of a – there's a lot of evidence here that things have not improved. And, um, you know, offensively, I again, not that the expectation was for them to go put up uh, – 45 points on Florida, but there's a huge, vast area of, hey, you did some good things on offense, you just didn't score enough points um, that separates you from where they were, which was, you know, having to steal a special team's touchdown. So, you know, I I think that is the concern um, is that overall, um, you know, I'm sure internally 
they have got they have players that have gotten better. I'm sure, like the guys have played. I'm sure they could point to specific technique points of you know this guy is getting better. I'm not in any way saying guys aren't improving, but I think as a football team, uh, they are. Uh, and probably your point, they're making they're having the same issues that they had to start the year, and I think that's scary. And um, you know, I'll, I'll use a word Chris used that I really like: amplify. Um, you said to me yesterday. Basically, well, you know, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but your point was these bad matchups are that these teams are better than South Carolina. Well, I think depending on who you're playing, your issues um, can either be covered up or they can be amplified. And I think against the teams they're going to play the next two weeks and against Florida, um, these issues are definitely amplified. Like Vanderbilt, for example exposes some of your issues, but then when Vanderbilt is driving down the field, it's third down, their receiver is open, and he drops the pass, Mm -hmm. and now it's fourth down, and you get a, quote, stop on defense as opposed to it gets executed, and we're going, oh, another first down, another third down conversion for the opponent. So uh, I think the the scary thing is that you're playing teams down the stretch they're going to amplify your issues i think florida there was a stat i think is the end of i don't even know if this is possible is it possible that florida was 10 for their first 10 on third down conversions yeah i mean missouri like, was 7 of their first 7 and florida's a better um, offensive team than missouri yeah so or 6 of their first 7 maybe you know it, it's like uh yeah cuz missouri missed the first one and then got that's right all of them for a stretch there but um but yeah it's um I don't know. I don't really know that there's a whole lot more to add about the game itself, but it's just more that this game continued to sort of confirm what we thought um, really on on both sides of the ball, unfortunately, for Carolina. For me, on the idea of confirming, it confirmed our worst. (laughs) Yes. Our worst nightmares, our worst thoughts about the team, the ones that we were trying to fight off in the middle of the night when we, oh, maybe... Maybe South Carolina can do this. So it confirmed all the the really bad things that we thought about the team that maybe you didn't want to say out loud or maybe you didn't, you hoped would maybe go away. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that has happened. Did Wes answer the question, guys? What do y'all think? He didn't answer the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> but as a teacher, I would give him, I would bring Wes in. I would say, Wes, this is a very thoughtful answer. I'm going to give you a little bit more time to answer the actual question. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, there, there was a point in the season, I think, to be fair, like let's, let's try to be balanced, fair, the answer's probably not really anything offensively or defensively right now. Mm-hmm. I think there was you a... You mean to his question? Yeah, to, yeah. To, yeah I'm going to try to answer the question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, of what they have improved from game one. Mm-hmm. Now... Did they improve from game one? Like, did they have better offensive performances? Like, did they improve from game one to game five and then regress from game five yeah. to game ten? That's If if we're yeah. going to try to analyze it yeah. that way, it then does yeah, feel like, that way. Like, if you take the, you know, and, and then you, you even had, I mean, you scored 38 against Vandy. There's some teams. Kentucky. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kentucky did not do that. Yeah. Um, Missouri didn't do that. So, I That's actually something. thought that was a pretty good offensive performance it, it was against a pre- Vanderbilt. That was a pretty good performance, right? So in some ways, I'll, I'll go back to what Beamer said, though. 
the stuff we're talking about in the Florida game was not a one game sample. I, right. I would I would True. push back against On either side of the ball. Yeah, I would push back against that notion if we were sitting here and South Carolina had played extremely well or, or very well, sometimes even average, offensively in the in that middle part of the season between mm-hmm. the Florida game and the Georgia State game. If some, if you were sitting here saying, well, they didn't improve because they didn't play well in game whatever that was, and they did this in game one, I would push back against it. But we have seen, sometimes it's been masked or hidden, we've seen that in some other games. So there was a point where they were running the football better, for instance, that coincided with, when Marshawn Lloyd was on the field. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't really penalize a team for saying you need your best player to be your most effective, but what you can penalize them for is when you're missing that player, you really, it's almost things have kind of fallen apart. But you should score against a point, right? Yeah, sure, sure. And and against Vandy, you were able to find some <laughs> points. And, and you, yeah. I think we proper, we tried to properly credit after that game but again, that was a defense that was not very good. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't planning to do this, but let, let's go through it. We'll go through it on the other side. Eight hundred three four zero four sixty one hundred. We'll just go through each position group and, and try to determine if there has been improvement, if they're the same, or if uh, maybe the group's gotten worse. Eight hundred three four zero four sixty one hundred. That's the Love Chevy phone line. You can also use the Love Chevy phone line right now to win yourself and somebody that you presumably like, uh, a pair of tickets to go see the Tennessee games. Under the lights, it's a night game. Still go, you know, fun to see football games. Plus, you know, Jalen Hyatt is a local kid. If you want to watch a local kid have like a six, seven touchdown performance, you might have an opportunity to do that on Saturday. Be caller number five right now, 803-404-6100. If you want front row seats, they're not front row, but if you want front row seats to the Jalen Hyatt show on Saturday, be caller number five right now, 803-404-6100, 803 the World Tournament of Soccer kicks off next week in Qatar, and to make sure you're up to speed, we present Qatar Kickaround. All this week, the Kickaround guys are providing a primer of episodes for those watching their very first World Tournament or anybody who just wants to learn more. And group previews all the way from A through H and predicting how they'll turn out. Will the U.S. even get out of their group? Will we get a surprise first-time winner? Or will we get the storybook ending of Messi finally lifting the trophy? Andy, Peter, and Lars are your soccer friends from the group stage to the final, all available at thekickaround.com or wherever you listen. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. 1118 Tuesday morning. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, full house here today in the Herndon Chevy Studios of downtown Columbia. Uh, We're going to go through. We're going to evaluate each of the position groups. Uh, We don't have the numbers in front of us. This wasn't prepared. We just kind of stumbled into this. But just gut feeling, where has this team gotten better? Where has this team gotten worse? Where is this team the same, because I think Chris and Preston, you have both made the suggestion in the last couple of days that this team's kind of the same-ish as they were when they started the season. Real quick, though, uh, Greg wants to know why I'm such a pessimist. Says that, yes, Carolina stunk up the place and deserves a criticism. Um, says I like to take it further, dig in the wound more. Said it might be the Jalen Hyatt show, but it's not a guarantee. Um, he just wants me to share my opinion, good or bad, and be done with it. Am I, am I being pessimistic here? Possibly. Yeah. 
That's I possible. mean, that, sometimes yes. Yeah. This at this point probably. probably How many? Not. Uh, not to not to encroach on buy or sell, <laughs> but like, what is the over under on Jalen Hyatt touchdowns on Saturday? I I don't I don't know, but I, I will say this. I I did write a little bit about the Jalen Hyatt thing this week, and that the Jalen Hyatt. I was like, hey, the Jalen Hyatt conversation for at least one more time is going to come back and be front and center. And I I feel like though there's not really a discussion anymore here because there are two things that are now facts. One, South Carolina should have offered Jalen Hyatt. Like it's not a debate anymore. It's not a discussion. That was apparent. Uh, that's apparent right now. It was apparent um, when he was scoring touchdowns at williams Bryce Stadium um, as a senior in the state championship game with the Tennessee staff laughing on the Carolina sideline. It should have been apparent <laughs> before that. Um, so not a discussion. Two, nobody that's going to be on the opposite sideline on Saturday night had anything to do with the decision not to offer him. You don't you think know, Sherrod Green was over there being like, no, don't <laughs> offer him? He's like, I'm, yeah, we, we don't need this guy. But no, seriously, like nobody on that staff was involved in that decision. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is one of those things now from like a Michael Jordan, like I'm going to find a way to be. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, say, Jalen, Jalen probably, I don't know about, I don't know, never met the dude in my life, probably never even seen him in person. He's not going to be like, I'm going to take it easy on him. They weren't the ones that did me wrong. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to show out in my home stadium. Right? It, exactly. Like he wants to go for 15 catches and 15 touchdowns. Yeah. Like I, you know, it, that's. And, and that's what you do, I think, as a competitor. You're going to find your edge. Um, and it's it's close to home. You want to go play well. But nobody over there actually had anything to do with it. If anything, the guys who made those decisions, they played in Athens a couple weeks ago. Didn't go well. But um, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that's true. He was saving all his juice for his Columbia trip. <laughs> and And here's the thing. He'll probably have a big game, but... It's not if I'm Carolina in that room over there right now getting ready for this game. It's not about Jalen Hyatt. It's about can we find a way to stop all of those guys out on the perimeter when Tennessee spreads you out, stacks their guys up, and throws quick passes back and forth yeah. all game. And that makes it even more frustrating for Gamecock fans that like the previous staff is like we didn't offer Jalen Hyatt. Peace out. We're not going to deal with it. Y'all have fun. Yeah, good luck. Um, We'll go to a place where we are equipped to stop it yeah. somewhat. Man. It's like even, it's so, even more so Shane, That's salt in the wound right So there. Shane has to just pregame just say, hey, Jalen, just so you know, man, I, 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 we, we would have offered you. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just so you know, we're, we're, we're clear, right? We're, yeah. we're good? We're cool. Yeah. Uh, are we I good? Feel like, I feel like the number should be two. Like, mark this down for Friday. Buy or sell. Jalen Hyatt has two touchdowns. Because I honestly might sell that. Because Carolina has not given up a ton of explosive plays through the air. Yeah, their corners are still pretty good. Not that I think that's a great matchup for Carolina, but I, I bet, I, without looking, I bet Carol, Carolina's opponents have more explosive runs than passes against the Gamecocks this year, like almost certainly. Yeah, I think that's a really safe bet. Um, don't don't be surprised, though, if you don't possibly have the the ex, like the exclamation point at the end. Like if, if Tennessee's controlling the game, they're about to take their starters out. They see an opportunity. Georgia did it with Oscar Delp. They got him a touchdown late in that game. Sort of like, oh, we're going to get you a TD here. Yeah. Even if he doesn't have a massive game, which he probably will have a pretty good game. But even if he doesn't, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they didn't give him, oh, we're going to give you a little hometown <laughs> touchdown. Yeah. You know, 
that was tough. Cap it off. I, fortunately, I guess, like the the touchdown to Delp didn't have as much impact. You know, kind of jokes on Kirby Smart because everyone had already left the stadium by the time he scored. Um, but it was it was it was a good attempt. Um, all right, let's go through offense first because everything's offense first. I'm sorry, Preston. It's just how it is. Of course, quarterback, <laughs> and we can just say Spencer Rattler safely. I think has Spencer Rattler gotten better from the Georgia State game to the Florida game? Or actually, no, let me. I want to frame this in a very specific way because of what you mentioned, Chris, in terms of like marginal improvements along the way. Is Spencer Rattler a better quarterback today than he was against Georgia State? Let's keep it. Let's keep everything brief, and I'll go very quickly. I thought Spencer Rattler made very good decisions in the Georgia State game, and I thought that was his problem. And I think his decision making has regressed as the season has gone on. Okay, Wes, I'm going to say yes, but. Yes, he is a little bit better, but it's You're not, not super convicted about it? No, and it's not as big of a margin as you would hope. It's going to be close. Close, yeah. 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 I would Chris agree with Wes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say worse. There's some, ca- there's some caveats in there, too, but yeah. in keeping with Preston. I'm just thinking he looks markedly less confident in the pocket as a passer now than he did then. So split split decision there. Let's go to the running backs. Are South Carolina's running backs better now than they were against Georgia State? Well, one of, one of them's hurt. Mar- Marshawn Lloyd, to me, look, has looked decidedly better mm-hmm. from the start of the season to now. Um, the running back room itself, you know, and there's a little bit of a recency bias there because there was no Lloyd the last two weeks. Maybe not, but yeah. I think I think Lloyd is probably the most improved player on the team year over year, and from like the beginning of the year when he was kind of getting settled. Yeah. Um, but and again, we're there's a lot of caveats there too, in that he's kind of feeling his way back from the injury, first time being the guy workhorse back here. Short answer though is probably I, I feel pretty strongly to say yes on that one. Actually, I'd agree. Yeah, kind of incomplete grade, but yes, because of Marshawn. Yeah, I'm when gonna, he's on the field, I, I think this is uh, maybe the second most comfortable yes that I will give in this exercise. And I think when you say incomplete, Chris, not only because Marshawn's hurt, but just because I think the rest of the running backs, it's fair to give them an incomplete grade because Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer don't seem interested in running the football with running backs anymore. Well, Christian Beal Smith also hurt, playing hurt, hurt yeah. either hurt and missed time or playing hurt. Yeah, we haven't seen Amos. We haven't seen Carroll. So, are we going to grade Jaheim Bell as a running back? No. Okay. Next position. Yeah. Um, well, hold on. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I, I want to say this because I want to do because uh, several people have texted in the last couple of days about the running back. So if if we can take a brief detour here, if y'all are okay with that, if y'all will oblige me here, I want to take a brief detour on the running backs. Eight zero three four zero four sixty one hundred. We'll blow through the rest of the position groups on both sides of the football. Uh, where has this team improved? Where have they gotten worse? Where are they the same? If you guys have an opinion, we'd love to hear it. 803-404-6100. Want to help save lives? Work at Alchemy, one of the fastest growing drug development and manufacturing companies in the world. Alchemy has openings in our plants across the Carolinas, including Charleston. A great place to work and play. Enjoy a signing bonus, free health care, and more. Visit workatalchemy.com. Twitter, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, at GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 
1131 Tuesday morning. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios of downtown Columbia. A little bit of a gray day, cold day. I think some rain is coming. Um, I don't know. feels appropriate that we've had these two days since uh, South Carolina lost 38-6 to to Florida over the weekend. Not a lot left to say about the game, frankly. Of course, if you guys have thoughts, we would love to hear them in the Love Chevy phone line or the text line. But mostly moving on a little more big picture here, a little earlier in the week than we typically do, trying to figure out where Carolina has improved, if they have improved anywhere. We already decided running back probably a solid plus from where the year started to where they are now, assuming the health of Marshawn Lloyd. But it has unfortunately been a sticking point for Gamecock fans in the last couple weeks that none of the other running backs have gotten any playing time. Those carries have gone to Jaheim Bell. Several people hitting us on the text line to that effect. And Shane Beamer was asked about it in his Sunday teleconference. Just wanted to let you hear his answer about the other running backs and how they're progressing. No, I think they're continuing to compete. I think they're continuing to get better. Um, obviously, it all goes back to to practice, Ben, and how guys uh, perform in practice. And those are guys that we have confidence in that continue to get better. Uh, Lavoisier is playing on special teams for us right now. Rashad was on our kickoff team last night. Um, you know, uh, Dante's done some good things from us for us as well uh, from a special team standpoint. Those guys are are uh, are quality running backs that continue to get better. But right now, we feel like uh, Juju and and Jaheim uh, give us the best chance to to to, uh, to win football games right now. So let's read between the lines. Like we we not even joke, but it's easy to say. I got running backs easy, you know, to come in and play right away. You don't have to know the whole offense. Just take the ball and run. So, like, what, what is it? Because Shane Beamer, oh, these guys are quality backs. They're getting better. They're helping us. They're doing this, that, and the other, but just not enough to play? Like, where's the disconnect? I'll, so, typically what happens with running backs, oftentimes they, they don't, they're not pluses in the passing game, whether that's not being able to catch the ball out of the backfield or, more importantly, not being able to do, be involved in blitz pickup. And oftentimes with younger guys or new New players, that is often one of the biggest hangups, and you don't feel like you can trust to put them in those situations. Part C, maybe they just don't hold on to the ball in practice. Hmm. They might fumble the ball. Those are the usually the big issues with running backs. I don't, I don't know which applies to which or what the deal is, but that seems to be usually the issues with run, with running backs. Right. I, I guess that makes sense. If you're in sort of a normal situation, though, like, hey, you're a normal offense, kind of middle of the road, your starting back goes down, you want to favor, you know, ball security or pass protection security. This isn't a team that's in that position, though. Like, from Marshawn, it's just nothing. And it feels like you kind of need to take a swing. I thought it was there. It must have been another clip. And, you know, Shane Beamer said, Jaheim Bell's a hell of a running back. And, you know, but he's, he's just not. Like, no matter what the coaching staff says, he's not. He, he's not bad. He's not good. It seems like it will be worth it to take a swing on one of the... I mean, you brought these guys in for a reason, right? Maybe. You did. You brought them in for a reason, but that doesn't mean that they are... They have performed up to that standard to this point, and Shane might be giving them a little bit bit of cover uh, for what they are doing in practice. But at the same time, at this point in the season, I guess where I'm at is we're trying to evaluate how they evaluate, and I can't say that the staff can be completely trusted with their evaluations to this point. So to speak even further on that, 
This one gets difficult. This is when the management of people becomes really interesting because if I've been taking all these reps at running back on second team, on third team, when third when second team O goes out, I go out. But then when game time comes, somebody from another position group comes and takes, quote-unquote, my snaps. Mm-hmm. That can get to be a little bit dicey in the room, and I don't know what how that how that plays out, but I can see that causing some potential issues. You brought Lavoisier, Carroll, and and uh, Darius Miller, I guess, through the transfer portal. Dante Miller. Dante Miller. <clears throat> um, so when we talk about evaluation, it's not just the evaluation of the talent that you have, but like again, you you you're spending spots on these guys, right? And if and if you didn't like guys miss in transfer portal and recruiting all the time, you you don't no nobody gets to bat a thousand, but it's not a good look if. One run, two running backs go down with injury. You have two guys that you brought in through the transfer portal. Amos, I guess, has been in the program for a while, and you just have whiffed on all those guys, I guess. Well, Miller's a walk on. Yeah, I was about to say. So, you know, not a spot spent. And then Carroll, I mean, Carroll's, and I'm not saying that these guys should not be getting a chance. Like, I kind of think they probably should (laughs) um, without the benefit of you know, seeing practice and all those things. I mean, I, I think what we would hear from practice even behind the scenes probably, at least in a lot of ways, is going to match what's being said publicly in that these guys are the best guys. Okay, you know, and, and that's kind of all you can go on. Unless we can go to practice and look with our own eyes, like you can source it up and be like, this is what people are saying that's not what's being said publicly, but it probably matches in a lot of instances. So if we could all go there and see every single practice and go review all the film from practice, we you know might have different opinions or say, well, this guy needs more reps even in practice. Miller's a walk-on. Carroll's still a young player, and um, he played DB for an entire year. So his body, cha- they changed his body at Georgia. He was, you know, he's kind of relearning the position. He's gotten bigger. He's bulked up to what they you know, thought he needed to be at. I think he was at Georgia. He's probably like 190 or something. He's back up in the 200-pound range. And now he's kind of, you know, learning. And he's more of like an upright runner, uh, more of a more of a speed, like, edge guy. And, heck, maybe that's a good argument for you need that I was type saying, of I get that he played DB last year, but he probably still knows how to run inside zone 12 times, right? I, I, I mean, hey, that, that could be an argument. I'm just kind of giving some reasons. Yeah. If we're trying to figure out why, maybe we haven't seen guys. That might be it. And it might also go to what Preston's saying. I mean, maybe pass protection, et cetera. So. Yeah, I, I get it. And all those things make sense. I guess I just I just feel like with this offense in general, beggars can't be choosers. And what you have right now clearly doesn't work, so it might be worth it to take a chance on somebody else. I don't know Marshawn Lloyd's status. We'll probably get an update from Shane Beamer today, and I don't know. If one of these guys would get an opportunity, you know, being at home too, you, I mean, you have everybody on your roster available to you. You don't have to make decisions about who to travel and who not to travel. Yeah, kind of. But I mean, even, even with a limited roster on a travel roster, there's still 10, 12 dudes that's not seeing the field. Yeah. It's only really only like 40 people play, even when you expand it out to special teams. So yeah, yes, more people are going to dress, but they're not. What's today? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had off yesterday. By Wednesday, you should probably have a better idea of what the reps are going to look like. Like, aren't, aren't you sort of setting that plan right now? And you're then you're repping the guys, I would imagine. You're repping the guys on that game plan for this weekend um, that you think are going to play for the most part. And the, the closer and closer you get, the more you're like, all right, these are the guys we expect. Yes, to play. In a, it, the caveat is in a functioning offense 
to this point, I don't think we can afford to give the benefit of the doubt to the offensive staff at this point. Does Marshawn need to practice to go? I I, I would say no. Um, he's kind of earned that yeah. right at this point. I would think so. I just didn't know if there was a policy in place or anything. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. And I, I mean, I, there might be, but then you know, there's pol- all kinds of policies in place on teams, and then some people are exempt from them. And yeah, I think he qualifies. Yeah, I, I think the 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 thing with Marshawn right now is that it could even get to a point where you're like, all right, he's going to give it a go, but you're really not going to know until he gets hit on that thing for the first time, I feel like, mm-hmm. if, especially if he doesn't practice. Like, I think there's two ways you could do it. You'd be like, all right, not that they hit a lot in practice anyway. You could kind of risk it in practice and say, all right, let's test it today and really know. Or you're saying, let's give this thing as much rest as possible leading up to Saturday. But then he may feel great. And then the first time a helmet nudges that spot might be like, he's back out, Mm -hmm. you know? So I I think there's, I I think, I guess regardless, if you're setting the game plan today and you have the reps divvied up by tomorrow, that's fine. That should be opportunities for the other guys that we're talking about right now. But if Marshawn wakes up Saturday and has, you know, been visited by an angel of healing and his leg is a hundred percent, he's going to go and you scrap the game plan. Correct. Yeah, I I think so. Um, You just better hope that angel, Got that thing really, really healed up. Mm-hmm. They, uh, the angel had that magic soccer spray. Chris, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, Guys man. go down and you just like spray shaving cream on the, their leg the or whatever. Thing, yeah, the comment I had was going to be not radio friendly. Yeah, so, yeah you've yeah. seen the one, the gift for the where they. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, off we'll, we'll get it during the break. Um, <laughs> long digression on running backs. I think deserved after an interesting weekend in which Jaheim Bell for the second straight week led South Carolina and carries not to much effect for the offense. But Marshawn's improvement and the lack of carries for the other guys will say the running backs have improved. Um, offensive line has South Carolina's is South Carolina's offensive line better today than it was September whatever. Man, that is another really difficult one. Okay, because it's another group where if you're taking the start in the end, you could say no, and I think be accurate. You take the middle, <laughs> and they played fairly well. And and, and uh, there's some common themes like A&M. Kentucky's defense wasn't su- super banged up when they played. That some guys, you know, yeah, I think they actually Jack got Jones Weaver was the only back. starter that was out. Yeah, so... Jacquez, yeah, Jacquez Jones missed that game, right? So, mm-hmm. I think they played, they had some moments the middle of the season where they were better. Missouri, obviously terrible game. Florida, not. So, they're good when they win, they're bad when they lose? Is that? Well, I <laughs> mean, but yeah, but like if we're going no, positionally. No, I'm joking because that's exactly how well, football Well, when they are is, good, yeah. they win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, definitely inconsistent. So, I, I'm having a hard time landing on something. I have a hard time landing on a lot of things with this team. That's the team, for sure. But yeah. uh, I think I will go with a yes. Hmm. I think I'll go with a yes. Um, at game game one, there were a lot of uh, completely, you know, they call them the, the, the Ole blocks, where you just Ole and let them go by you. You know, you see, you heard those type of things. And I don't see that happening anymore. Yes, they're getting beat, mm-hmm. but that might just be what, what it is. Yeah. But I don't see as many free people just running through gaps. and Yeah. Things of that nature, and Spencer does seem to be a little bit more protected. Mm-hmm. As I said, the pro 
really seems to be better. Running game is hard for me to really evaluate. Seems I, about I, the same. That's what I would. I think that's where I would land. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think Preston there. convinced yeah. me. I'll say this: yeah. the fact that, um, and I'm just going to base this not even on my own eyes, but the fact that they've continued to rotate guys. It feels like they have been trying to solidify the left side all year long, and left guard and left tackle have continued to be rotated. Uh, Rashawn Lee, Trey Jones, Ja'Kai Moore, Jalen Nichols. Um, you know, it's, all four it, of those guys that I think played both of those positions, except for Nichols, has not played guard, right? Yeah, Ja'Kai was playing guard Ja'Kai, on Saturday. Ja'Kai's played guard and tackle. Um, I, I think that was the first time guard. we've really seen Ja'Kai playing inside um, this year, but. Yeah, so the fact they've continuously had to rotate guys there tell me they're still, you know, trying to solidify those two yeah. spots. Okay, so that's like a so it's a real split decision on quarterback. It's an improvement on, on running back mostly because of Marshawn Lloyd. Where leaning improvement on the offensive line have the wide receivers gotten better? Are the wide receivers better today than they were game one? Yeah, I'm trying to think back to game one. <laughs> um, Preston says no. I say yes, actually. Okay, I'll 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 go with the the no because the glare to me the one of the glaring aspects that they really focused on was perimeter blocking, mm. and I'm not sure if they have improved on yeah that to that's this point. So maybe that maybe if you break it down further into aspects, I would say no on in that aspect. Like yeah. I, I think that Juice and Jalen have clearly emerged as Carolina's two best receiving threats. Like once. Like that's almost nudging me in the yes direction, but I I think that's a, I think that's a good point. And then beyond that, Carolina hasn't been settled. We've seen Amari Brown some, DeCarion Joiner some, XL some, Josh Van some. Um, so behind the clear top two guys, in my opinion, it's been a little bit more of a morass. Yeah, I, I agree with the perimeter blocking point, and and that's another one where again in the middle of the season, they played it feels a like better. there are three there are three segments to this season. Yes, right now. Yes. Um, Primer blocking bad early on. Yep. Primer blocking very much improved during the middle stretch. Um, and then a struggle. And obviously the last thing we've all seen with our eyes is a game where nothing was well handled yeah. on offense. So if that if that's two-thirds of the season of bad, then I got you got to give that a bad grade even if it feels good in the middle. That's 66% bad, 33% good, right? I'm I'm going to say they're about the same. Yeah, and, and another thing to keep in mind, too, and, and this is very hard to measure, and it's almost kind of what makes it like an incomplete, is receivers can be running great routes and getting open, and we've seen that some in games, and then something happens to where they don't get the ball. Mm-hmm. Trigger that's, doesn't get pulled, sack. Is that, that That's accurate. Hard, again, hard, like you said, hard to, hard to measure. And, to measure. Yeah. Um, I You know what? I think Ju- – to me, Juice emerging, like, kind of edges me in the positive direction. Uh, here, the more we talk this through, like, I'm sure there's been improvements, but it's just also, like, there's not enough improvement overall as a team comparatively to the rest of... Right. Uh, other teams are improving as well. Right. That's a very good point. You improve You improve when you take reps. Yeah. Like. So even if Carolina's gotten 10% better, other teams have gotten 15 or 20% better is what it feels like. It but feels like Florida has improved a lot as we, the year. We kind of agree that the running backs have gotten better. We kind of agree that the offensive line's gotten at least a little bit better, or they're not worse. And it seems like, 
you know, a little bit split on wide receiver. So we're, we're like leaning. I think all of us who have a, a pretty fairly critical opinion of this team right now are all kind of leaning. Yeah, these things have kind of gotten better. And yet the result is undoubtedly worse. You just you didn't score. You had 144 yards before your garbage final garbage time drive. So what I said yesterday, some is not equal to the parts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's it's mystifying. It's mystifying. Yeah. Um, let's flip the script. We only have a couple minutes left. We got to get through the defense. We'll go. I don't know if we'll do three or five. We'll we'll talk about the defense and how much they have or have not improved throughout the season. Next, it's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell on the home of the Gamecocks, one hundred seven five, the game. Eight minutes in front of noon on a Tuesday morning. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. A couple minutes left here. Shane Beamer weekly press conference later, live for you here on 1075 The Game. His thoughts on his final thoughts on Florida, starting to look ahead to Tennessee. And we're taking sort of a little bit of an evaluation here at the uh the almost finished mark. Where has South Carolina improved? Um, honestly, like a lot of split decisions. We are I mean, truly split on the quarterback position. Offensive line leaning improved. Running back seems solidly improved, mostly because of Marshawn Lloyd. A little bit up in the air on wide receiver. Um, we can go through probably most of these pretty quickly. Defensive tackles. Let's do all five. Defensive tackles for South Carolina. Are they better today than they were game one? No. No. I'll um, yeah, like I'll go with the man who played the position. Deferral. Yeah. Is that the easiest one? Is that the most glaring lack of improvement? I think so. Okay. Um, one side note: I think Tonka Hemingway has developed individually. That's, that I, absolutely, I was yeah. I would take that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I would say from game one, he wasn't playing. Right. So true. He did not play. So I guess better to have him in there than to not. But for sure. Yeah. Uh, end. Definite improvement. With an asterisk by it too. That you're down a starter. You're down a starter, and your guys are playing 85 to 97% of the snaps every single game. Birch has flashed and had some moments. Gilbert Edmond, Gilbert Edmond, nobody – I mean, we tried to talk about him going into the season and, and like, prepare people for, hey, this guy's going to play some snaps and probably be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But he went from not playing at all last year and to probably, hey, you're going to get 20, 25 snaps out of him to now he's playing 70. Mm-hmm. And he's playing pretty well, yeah. all things being – Maybe he should have been playing more anyway. Um, Wes? Yeah, slight improvement. Okay. Good edge. Linebacker? No. 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 DB? Yes. Corner? I'll say yes. Yeah? Safety? Yes. Y- yes. Yeah. <laughs> 21. The When y'all said Marshawn Lloyd's the most improved 21. player on the team, Moore was the only person that I thought of. But maybe it's not fair to say that he improved because he was just that good the whole time. He didn't get any better because he was already... I mean, he certainly has gotten better as a freshman, but I, you know, his first play was a third down yeah. stuff, and then he followed that up with a fourth down <laughs> get out. So those are his first two plays of his collegiate career. So he's actually gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> he could only possibly he just had further to fall than everybody else. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he's gotten better, but he's he stayed right where he where he started. Huh. Um, but well, DQ Smith has been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think for everybody, um, yeah. at least from the outside. Uh, looking in, especially a guy that switched positions and 
sort of has taken on a taken on a new role as the not to not to be cliche, but the quarterback of the defense back there. So that's been good for him for sure. It, it has probably been not talked about enough how impressive that is that DQ comes in as a quarterback, didn't go through spring practice, and then is sort of just thrown into the fire mm-hmm. and has stepped up uh, big time for for them. So I think you have you have two guys there that you're in Eamon Worry and DQ. They're probably like future building blocks. I feel like of this defense. Like you're going to possibly build the defense around these guys. And I I think some interesting decisions. Not to go too big picture. Interesting decisions for where you should play those guys moving forward after this season. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting discussion. I probably will be had, but. Uh, to the DQ point, as I, I texted the group when I saw he was a civil engineering major mm. as a freshman, <laughs> only special people take on that challenge, <laughs> even if you don't even make it through the program. But to have the audacity to say, you know what, I'm going to be, that's what I want to do. I think he can handle getting people lined up in the second <laughs> You know, so he can, he can, yeah. he's okay back there. It's been good early returns. Um, that what This wasn't really the plan for today. This has been uh, instructive, although I'm still not exactly sure what we learned other than just confirmation of Chris's the whole is less than the sum of the parts right now, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have some big picture takeaway for you guys tomorrow, but we are out of time here. Appreciate you indulging us in that exercise. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we'll be back tomorrow, and the Halftime Show is coming up next. Ross Matthews talks to celebrities, friends, and people with interesting stories to tell. Who's saying, hello, Ross, this week? Guy Fieri. I have these two crazy aunts, and they both used to say to me, you should be on TV. That went on for years as I was kid, but I never took that. So when I got the shot of the Food Network, which I was kind of pushed by my friends to do, yeah. it turned into this thing, and uh, I already did what I wanted to do. So I thought everything else was just kind of like, let's just have fun with it. Hello, Ross. Available on YouTube or wherever you listen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.